Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Well, hey there, it's Nico. By now, you probably know who I am, but awkwardly, I know a whole lot less about you. So many of you tell me that you're listening to the show and I really want to know you more. Who are you? Why are you tuning in? What do you want most from Suncast? Let us know by going to mysuncast.com forward slash survey. It takes just five minutes and we'll read every answer. That's mysuncast.com forward slash survey. All right, here's the show. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Well, hey there, Solar Warrior. Welcome back to Suncast and another Tactical Tuesday, which is a short form conversation with subject matter experts geared to give you practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar business and career. And while I do try to keep these under a half hour for Tactical Tuesdays, sometimes like today, we get to bring you a replay of a live broadcast that we've done. And some of those do go a little longer, closer to 45 minutes. Today's episode is a dive into what's happening around career opportunities, in particular, the opportunity to gain diversity hires from the fossil fuel industry. We go deep with two friends of mine who are also experts in this particular area, Catherine McLean of Dylan Green and Rene Bourgeois of Mockingbird Technology, both who have experience in the oil and gas field and in particular in hiring and building teams. If you are curious about what's happening in the field of hiring, especially around diversity, equity, and inclusion, then I would encourage you to check out this episode. I would also encourage you to check out our forthcoming Career Summit, which is September 1st and 2nd. We'll also have workshops on the 3rd. You can learn more about that at events.mysuncast.com. In this discussion, Catherine and Renee and I cover some of the best techniques and approaches that you can take to transfer your skills into the clean energy sector by identifying your right role. Never has that been more important than when up to 15% of staff at Chevron and Exxon and British Petroleum, more than 25,000 people in some have lost their jobs in the last two, three months, just in the Houston, Dallas, broader area, just in the oil and gas industry alone. And it's opened up a window for many qualified professionals to transition into the clean energy space. But how will they get there? We unpack that with Catherine and Renee today, and I hope that you will enjoy it. You can find more Tactical Tuesdays just like this one at mysuncast.com. But for now, get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. Welcome, welcome to another Suncast Live. It is a good time. Good time to be in, uh, in a job these days. Also a good time to be in the clean energy business, the renewable business, and perhaps not such a good time to be in uh, many other industries, not the least of which is uh, the fossil industry, na- notably oil and gas. We're going to talk a bit about that today. Stoked to have a couple of my friends joining us today, Catherine McLean from Dylan Green and Renee Bourgeois from Mockingbird Technology. There's a topic circulating mostly 
in, in certain pockets of uh, chief people officers and, uh, and recruitment about how do we increase something called DNI, diversity and inclusion. Now, the folks that we're going to talk to today and you know, personally on Suncast as well, we've been focused on DNI for more than the last uh, few months when uh, you know, let's say media has been focused on DNI broadly. Um, so we're going to talk a bit about what is diversity and inclusion, what does it mean, and why is now such a good opportunity for those who are actively trying to work diversity and inclusion into your hiring, your growth, your business practice generally. Why is this such a great opportunity to gain that diversity in hires from the fossil industry? That's right, my friends. How do we build a bridge between our friends in oil and gas to our businesses in renewables? To do that, we're going to talk, as I mentioned, with Catherine McLean, the CEO and founder of Dylan Green, who I've been having a lot of fun lately with collaborating and thinking about how do we increase diversity in this industry? How do we hire properly? Who are the companies that are willing to put themselves out there and say, I will put a flag in the sand. I will stake a claim that we will grow diversity as a part of not just our frontline team, but our leadership. I'm going to welcome Catherine to the stage. Catherine, good to see you. You posted something that I think got a lot of traction. You must be close to probably 15,000, 20,000 views now on LinkedIn, where you very proudly, rightfully so, staked that your commitment to diversity and inclusion in your hiring practices for your clients is bearing fruit. Is that right? Yeah, I know that's right. Um, a lot of it is just um, being aware that it's an issue and then having some intentionality around your searches. Fantastic. Well, we're going to talk about what those searches look like and why diversity inclusion is not only important, why it's so hard. How has the industry begun to grow? Where are folks able to find their role and their place? We are working on ways to help you find a role and a fit in our industry. The clean energy business has been growing like gangbusters for the last 10 years, and it's not slowing down anytime soon. And we like to extend that olive branch. But more than that, strategically, we'd like to help insert you and the technical capability that you bring from a, a very, very well-founded technological and fundamental understanding of the energy business broadly. Our business needs you. Right, Catherine? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fantastic. Tell me about this video that's going viral on, on LinkedIn. Yeah. So about six months ago, I decided that I wasn't just going to talk about DNI with people um, and companies. I was going to actually put some benchmarking in place. And so I came up with an idea to do 50% women candidates to every role I work on. What's kind of morphed over the months as issues like the BLM movement have become more and more at the forefront of the media is I've realized that it can't just be a woman, 50% women that I send, it has to also be minorities. I have to look at the broader scope of minorities and people of color and the LGBTQ community and so forth. So also trying to focus on helping um, get them some representation, some equal representation as well. But I think what I found was that it has been hard and that there are certain challenges that I see over and over again. And I think one of the big things that I really noticed is that C-suite tends to be on board because I think they have to be almost from like an external media point of view. Um, but I also think HR tends to be on board, talent acquisition. But where I see kind of 
a lot of the challenge is getting that middle to senior manager to be a little bit more open-minded about um, getting someone on board that meets diversity criteria, but may not be the exact 100% match um, that they were looking for. So it's up to us to kind of educate them on how we they can take a little bit of responsibility to, to, to get that person up and running to where they need to, to be for their team. Can you talk a little bit about what does that conversation sound like on both sides of, of the aisle? I'm really curious when you're engaging with some of the large customers that I'm privy to that you're that you're engaged with who are themselves actively trying to recruit. How often do you come across someone who's in a hiring role who says to you, I want to hire very specifically for diversity in this role versus how often you might be suggesting that that's how they could think about it? I definitely get asked for it more than I suggest it. Um, I think I've developed a reputation as somebody that um, is really passionate about this and has seen some results. So I think a lot of companies contact me wanting me to help specifically with this. I would say that I don't always get asked for it, but certainly probably about 75% of the time I'm getting asked for it now. Mm. And like I said, I, I think that, you know, it, it was very much around women the past month or two. It's become more around other um, minorities as well. Um, yeah. And those conversations can actually be a little bit trickier. I think people are more comfortable to talk about things, man, woman, that like, you know, is a conversation we've had for millennia. But I think when you start getting into different categories of, of diversity, it, be, it can become a little bit of an uncomfortable conversation for people. Yeah, I can imagine it has been uh, an uncomfortable conversation and it should continue to be an uncomfortable conversation in this industry until we've achieved something that feels like equitable metrics. You know, the thing that amazes me is that in, in, an, in an era where we're seeing more and more minorities, more and more women getting into STEM we don't see that level of increase, even in entry-level roles in our industry, where I would arguably say that we do have much better gender diversity and sort of role diversity even in the renewables industry, but for sure in leadership. What's one of the challenges that you hear when you're hiring for, call it mid to upper executive leadership in our industry? Yeah, I, def I definitely agree with you. I think that when you look at more of an entry-level junior um, position, um, there are more uh, diverse candidates. And I think that's indicative of how America is, right? We're becoming more and more diverse, which is a good thing. So I think that it will be somewhat less challenging in 10, 15 years from now for people like me yeah. to uh, to fill those um, more mid to senior level positions. I think that when I am recruiting for that mid to senior level position and there is such a small pool of people to choose from, I think it's really important that you really get into the skills and attributes rather than looking at like for like. So they have to be Solar has to be from solar. Wind has to be from wind. Like just getting starting to really get to the nitty gritty of what the softer skills are that you're looking for from this person and, and what you're prepared to give to them as far as learning and knowledge and what you, you aren't, what they have to come with regardless. You know, I think one of the things we're going to talk about a bit more is mm -hmm. the idea of net improvement. What I'm conscious of is I know a bunch of what, we, what I'd refer to as badass women leaders in this industry. Yeah. I'm going to steal that term from some of our Minnesota brethren and my friends uh, as well, Tara Doyle and Amanda Bybee. There's a list going around. It's literally called badass women in solar. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it is such a powerful statement that we even need to say and use these terms 
that resonate with men, right, or resonate with conference organizers, that we would need to categorize uh, these women as badass, so to speak, like give them some sort of macho <laughs> image just to make it attractive or, or what have you. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's it, it just speaks to where we're at still in in this growth. I want to bring in our friend Renee. Renee Bourgeois is a consultant at Mockingbird Technologies. And she's got 15 plus years in oil and gas. And she is also a part of BYs, which is Black Women in Science and in Engineering. Our friend Erica, who founded and, and runs that organization, put us in touch with Renee. Renee, thanks and welcome to Suncast Live. Thanks for having me. So, Renee, you have an extensive background, specifically in technology, in oil and gas. And I feel like a lot of times folks forget when we see the big pumps going up and down or we see oil rigs and we have this negative image of, in particular, the oil side of the business from us in renewables. They forget how technology driven the industry is. Can you give us a sense of what you've seen over the last decade and a half that you've been actively involved in oil and gas, how technology plays a role? And I want to, by sort of looking into that, get a sense of the kinds of skill sets that have been developed in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think most people will be surprised to know that most oil and gas companies are on the cloud. You know, we were, we were one of the first adopters of AWS. Google Cloud, and mm-hmm. you don't associate that with oil and gas. We also, you know, along with, we're behind the curve with finance. I think finance was always ahead. Big data, you know, we have massive amount of data from all our equipment and instrumentation, and it requires us to do data analytics. It requires mm-hmm. us to do machine learning. We're starting to um, adopt AI. So all of those things have happened within the last 10 years, we're big, you know, the saying is data is the new oil. All right. And so that's where we're, that's right where we're at. So we, you know, technology is a big driver because we're always yeah. looking to improve. How can we optimize our performances, how we can make more money, how we can be safer, be more efficient. So you're right, because I had someone, they said, oh, you work at BP. They're like, well, you work at a gas station. I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, I do no. not work at a gas station. I actually no. work in a rock. So, <laughs> so you know, it, you're right. People just see the derricks or the gas station. That's all they associate with oil and gas. But, you know, when you're living in the energy capital of Houston, you know the full spectrum of it. And what Catherine is saying is that, you know, when we're applying for jobs and trying to pivot, into, you know, clean energy, those soft skills get missed because I've just told you about data, you know, we got AWS, we got Google Cloud, we got, you know, all the organic, Python, yeah. uh, Tableau, those are those are transferable skills. Yeah. But yeah. the way these jobs are posted, they're so specific that they're looking for a purple unicorn. And if you don't hit all of those, you're automatically kicked out. Mm. So I think there's also a disconnect with how those jobs postings are created with the hiring manager and how HR is presenting them. Because a lot of times if I have someone from HR contacting me, I spend a lot of time explaining how things work. Mm. Like, well, what does this mean? For instance, SAP, I've also worked with SAP and they're like, well, we need, you know, 15 years experience of this and this and 
work with. And I'm like, no, that's not how SAP works. If someone's telling you that, they're not being truthful. I feel that it's there's a lot of trying to fit that square peg in a round hole instead of what we're actively trying to do. What are the transferable skills? I'm really curious, and I also want to hear Catherine's um, response to a lot of the things that you're saying. I'm watching Catherine nod, and she and I have talked about this stuff (laughs) offline. But I want to just comment on some of the things that you said by way of sort of tossing it back to Catherine. You pointed on data is the new oil. My friend Jarrett uh, Lineweber, who's a a huge Suncast fan, he's in, in one of our private chat groups. He talked about recently a Norwegian company that's applying blockchain to how to optimize oil rigs, right? So most of us wouldn't think about the way that blockchain is being applied to oil and the way that blockchain is being applied, frankly, to gas peakers and many other technologies where we think we're so disruptive, but the oil and gas industry is trying to disrupt itself. They just might not be trying to do it necessarily with solar panels and wind turbines. With that, Catherine, how would you add to or respond to the the comments that Renee made? I agree with with her. I mean, as a recruiter, a purple unicorn, I mean, goodness, it's like all I get asked for all day long. And it's really quite quite tiring. If I'm like, I just think it, for some reason, like it just seems like this one area we can't seem to get past of this. Just they have to meet 100 percent of the job, just of the job description. So I have something, you know, in the recruitment world called flex the spec. <laughs> so, you know, really sitting down, like you were talking about Renee with the hiring manager or HR and being like, come on guys, like what really is a non-negotiable, like what I call the three most important things and what are things that really would be like a nice to have. Right. And I think that what I've learned is there are some companies that are happy to have that conversation. And there are other companies that will just go to another recruiter <laughs> to help them continue to find the purple unicorn. But I just really believe in being honest and transparent with people. And I will try and find the purple unicorn. And sometimes I do find the purple unicorn, but also I'll find a lot of other colored unicorns and they should also be considered. <laughs> well, talk to me about some of the people that you have hired from, not necessarily from the oil and gas industry, but how you've been able to successfully, as you pointed, get 65% of your new hires as as women and a fair amount of them from outside the industry. It really is the client. I can't take kind of all credit for it. It is really having that partnership with a client where they trust and respect that sometimes I will send somebody over and I'll say, you know, don't look at the resume, just trust me that you speak to them. <laughs> so it's having that kind of like relationship with the client and trust that they have the conversation like actually you know if i had opened that resume before the call i probably wouldn't have spoken to them so and i think you know it's that constant sort of pushback but like i said i mean i can't do it on my own i can yell and until i'm blue in the face about the importance of it but if i can have the best candidates on the planet from making a finance from oil and gas you know even from our our own space who may be you know a a different skill set than the one that they're trying to apply for um within our own industry but if i didn't have clients and hiring managers buyers for the candidates i'm representing then it's just it's never going to happen yeah it's interesting for you it's always the supply demand you know watching uh (laughs) friends like you in the in that in the recruiting role and uh, I think it's admirable. It, it's you know, honorable even that you have made a stake for Dylan Green that 50 or more percent of your hires and placements are going to be female and diversity uh, oriented. 
I'll just say one more thing quickly. Yeah. Sorry. And the other thing that I've noticed is that I've implemented something a couple of months ago called Candidate of the Week. So I felt like I was starting to acquire some really good talent that I didn't necessarily have jobs for, but I felt confident that my network out there somewhere would be interested in, in their profiles. And I've seen a lot of success with that, actually. I think it's also being proactive on the candidate's behalf. So not just waiting for the jobs to come in and then filling the jobs, but actually saying, okay, this is act, this is a really good candidate. And, you yeah. know, I'm sure somebody out there <laughs> would agree with me as this is a really good candidate and, and making. So I think a lot of recruiters are like, I have this job, I have that job. But I also try to say, I have this candidate, I have that candidate. Um, and we've seen some that. real progress that way. The Suncast Career Summit kicks off on September 1st as a first-of-its-kind virtual event exclusively focused on promoting diversity and inclusiveness in the clean energy industry. This event is for job seekers and hiring managers alike. You can engage with industry leaders, attend workshops tailored to practical advice, learn specific strategies in group and one-to-one settings, and develop a game plan for success. Learn more and recommend a friend at suncastcareersummit.com. Hey, for my commercial solar warriors out there, do you sometimes feel like prospects are treating you like a dollar per watt commodity? Instead of a race to the bottom, why not add more value to your proposals by including DemandX load flexibility software from Extensible Energy? You can use intelligent AI software to monitor solar production and shift the usage patterns of HVAC and other flexible loads. The result is increased savings on energy charges, demand charges, time of use charges, and that makes you and your proposal stand out from the crowd. Who doesn't want that? You can learn all about DemandX and how you can include load flexibility software as part of your proposals at extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast. And as a bonus, you'll get free load flexibility analysis, sales training, and info on how you can even white label DemandX for your solar company. So go ahead. Stand out with DemandX from Extensible Energy. BP, 10,000 layoffs, 12,000 at Chevron, probably another five at uh, Exxon. So we're in excess of 25,000 now essentially jobless. Mostly for them, they have the luxury that the oil and gas industry does tend to take care of their family when they have to downsize. So they probably have a couple of months. They're thinking about it, right? July is almost over. A lot of them are sitting on that budget of August. They still have some time. September is going to be crunch time. Typically, in the I understand from Catherine, uh, Catherine's homework, about 15% of the oil and gas industry is women. I think we're closer to 25 in renewables. So I'll at least say hurrah there. But that means that even if we're just looking at raw numbers and we don't assume what I already assume, which is that probably more women were laid off than men, we're looking at just under 4,000 women laid off. Now, that's not people of color. That's just women. And obviously, some of those women are people of color. We're probably looking at between five and 10,000 if, if we look at women and people of color who are presently highly skilled and in the job force. And potentially, you know, even if we take, let's call it, 20% of that, we're at 2,000 candidates right now, highly skilled, highly trained, and ready to move into clean energy. The other 8,000 are sort of waffling, not sure how or if they'll ever have a job in oil and gas. What advice do you give the folks who are reaching out to you and to the BYS community? Where should they be looking for a job? Where are the relevant channels for them to plug into? And feel free to plug BYS here as well. What are the fundamentals 
that they should now be doing to position themselves to move forward? Well, number one is networking. Networking, networking, (laughs) networking. The days of just applying for a job and hoping for the best are gone. So you need to be at this time building your network, reconnecting with people you may have not talked with in the past, figuring out what it is you want to do. Now, it doesn't have to be a specific job, but what you're passionate about. Develop a value proposition. Work on building your brand. Update your LinkedIn profile. Some, you know, some people, it's update. Update your LinkedIn profile. Connect with groups of like-minded people. Be wise. We have a job board. And, you know, get that elevator pitch because that elevator pitch will get you through a lot because you can quickly articulate who you are, what you're doing, and what skills you can bring to the table. And also start looking at companies that you're interested in to work at. Do some little investigation with them and figure out what problem can I solve? What can I bring to the table for that company? And then start networking your way into that company. And you'd be surprised how just by doing that simple activity, it will spiral out and expose you to companies that you may not have never heard of before that would be the ideal landing place for you. Can I just say something quickly off the back of that? Please. The, I, the networking part, I couldn't agree with more. Um, anyone who, who knows me knows I'm like obsessed with networking. But I think also uh, what you said about the value proposition, because I think for someone like me, for example, who knows very little about oil and gas. <laughs> it would be so helpful if somebody was contacting me from oil and gas to say, I'm not going to bore you with what I've done in oil and gas because it's going to go over your head. I'm just going to tell you what my value proposition is and where I think yeah. I can add value to your solar client. And that's how you can sell them. Because I don't know how to sell them, right? So it's them helping me help them get into get that interview where they can then talk all things technical yeah yeah and like i said the value proposition is real quick guys it's you know two three sentences it's it's not your whole story like mine is i'm a data and technology management leader with over 15 years experience specializing in technical analytics software implementation and data solution delivery i take technical organizations and turn them into data powerhouses that have generated millions of dollars in revenue. That's what I do. I got a job job for you. (laughs) That is so... I love that so much, Renee. You just nailed it. There's a couple of things before we wrap that I want to touch on here. One, uh, you know, we're getting a lot of comments on the various channels from LinkedIn to, uh, to Facebook and a couple other folks who are chiming in and even in YouTube. So, there's a message here from Troy, and I think it really actually touches on something that I go through with my coaching clients a lot, but that we, we leave out far too often as candidates. And it's always made the difference for me when I show up looking at a job that, you know, also the last 10 years have always just been referred to opportunities, which is a privilege that you get by mentoring and networking. So when you're referred to a job, the first thing I do is I send the uh, hiring manager my disc assessment. The very first thing. And I say to him, this is how I can work with your team. And this is the way I communicate. And this is how you should think about my role within your company with respect to the role that you're hiring. But Troy made a really good comment. He's, he talks about the philosophy of hiring for a fit both inside and outside of the company, mentors and mentees, and how you can base these personalities on 
testing and real data, looking at the psychology. Where are the, the areas where you need to improve from different styles of communication? Or how do you hire someone that's not going to be a bad fit from a communication style inside your organization? I think that's a really nuanced point. And it goes to this whole idea that a lot of times folks who are transitioning, in particular transitioning from one industry to another, they don't know where to start. My friend John Chimanis at Kindle Sustainable Infrastructure, I've heard him say it now twice, once on my podcast and just recently on the Energy uh, Experts Only podcast, said, if you're going to change jobs, you can change one of two things, your industry or your expertise, never both at the same time. So the advice there, and this is what I see people sort of fumbling, is they forget, oh, I'm an expert in data science. I'm going to take that data science expertise and how I can basically call any database and use Tableau and show you the visualization of how this data matters to you. You can do that in so many roles in solar. You don't have to change to be something that meets a job rec. You, have, you basically want to say, here's the, the tools I bring. And, help, and find someone like Catherine who can find a job rep that matches those tools. But you got to be really aware of those transferable skills. I think also off the back of that, what I see is people trying to do too much at once, right? Mm. They try to change industry. Then they're like, oh, and then I'm also interested in living in this city or that city, but I haven't moved to that city and I want a pay increase. And like you, you kind of have to pick one thing and then focus on that before you do the next thing. They just, there's just too many balls in the air. Sometimes I think people have and they overcomplicate things and you just kind of need to pick one at a time is my opinion. Yeah, I think yeah. You're absolutely right. You need to have that clarity because if you have too many balls in the air, you, you just dilute yourself as a candidate. So you need to have that clarity of what's really important to me. You know, what are the top three things and, you know, what can I absolutely not live without and what I'm willing to compromise on? Any parting thoughts from you uh, first, Renee? I would just say to people, you know, now's the time to make out your game plan, make a plan and work your plan. And, you know, it's not a, it, it sounds overwhelming and challenging and it can be, but it's doable. We, we know how to we know how to do things in oil and gas. We're just going to pivot to a different industry. Couldn't have said it better myself. Catherine? Gosh, parting thoughts. I don't know. I think parting thoughts are, you know, I really want to make sure that we have a platform where we're celebrating the clients and the com- companies. Not, not cl- They're my clients, companies that are, you know, holding their hand up and saying, yes, I am actually um, going to take people from oil and gas, from making finance, from military and bring them into my organization. I'm not just going to talk about DNI. I'm going to actually do it. Companies like S Power, for example, um, I think are actually taking the time to look at people from other industries and really try and, and bring them into the space and wel- welcome them into the space. Um, and the final thing I'll say is, you know, at the moment, it's uh, we're all very busy in renewables, and we're just about managing. That's a wrap on this conversation, Warrior, but I do hope that we'll see you back here on Thursday for this week's long-form interview. I also encourage you to check out other episodes of Suncast and let me know what you think of these shorter-form discussions. Do you want more like this? We've got hundreds of episodes, resources, and highlights from these discussions, along with the social media links for each episode guest, book recommendations, and so much more over at mysuncast.com. 
And that's also where you'll find other ways to engage with our Suncast tribe, like subscribing to our weekly tribe exclusive emails or even joining our exclusive inner circle of infinite learners and clean economy champions we affectionately refer to as the Guild. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, I do so appreciate your rating and review so that others can also find Suncast more easily. And a special thank you to our sponsors who help make this podcast possible. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor, as well as learn more about becoming a sponsor if that's something that you're interested in. You can follow the links there as well to any of the offers that we've discussed about any of our sponsors here today. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.